This is Jeremiah chapter 29 and beginning at verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans, had gone from exile, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Here ends the reading.
Thank you, Alan, very much indeed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our town. We thank you for the community, the communities in which we're set. We pray this morning that you will help us to uh, reflect deeply on your word and in the days ahead to reflect on its implications, its application to our lives and our presence in this, our town. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't have this morning to uh, address this passage with the depth and thoroughness it deserves. Um, I think it's an extraordinary passage. I think it's uh, uh, profound, and I think its significance for uh, the living of God's people is, is tremendous. And this morning, I just want really to use it as a, a setting for the, uh, introducing you to some really exciting and important things that are happening in our town and in which we're invited to take part. But I would love you to take this chapter away or the letter part of it and to perhaps use it for your prayer times this week or just to read it in an evening to revisit it I, th I think and just let it speak to you I think it has some really uh, important things to, to say to us uh, what provoked it uh, we don't actually know perhaps uh, a letter had come from Babylon or perhaps just verbal reports had come from Babylon um, and Jeremiah was stirred up to make a, uh, a response. Most of the Jewish people were still living in the land of Judah. Uh, a partial exile had taken place of key figures and artisans and leaders in the society, and they had been removed already to Babylon. Jeremiah was still back with the bulk of the people in, in Jerusalem. And clearly from this letter, questions were arising about how do God's people live in an alien place, perhaps a hostile place, certainly a place that's culturally at odds with who they are and spiritually at odds with who they are. So in that sense, it's a letter which addresses issues which God's people commonly find uh, in Old Testament times, in New Testament times, and in our own days because we commonly find ourselves set in communities and contexts in which our identity as disciples of Jesus Christ is in some measure at odds, in tension with uh, uh, the surrounding society, the places we work, the places we socialise, the, the friends we have in our community, our neighbours, and so on. And the question is always with us, how then shall we live? How then shall we address uh, this situation? Um, and as I say, this passage merits some uh, much more searching uh, exposition than we've got time for this morning. I just want to highlight some of the uh, key insights that Jeremiah has, and I invite you to take them with you and to do your own reflection upon them. The first is this. It comes at the beginning of the letter, and it comes at a number of times through the letter that the situation in which God's people find themselves here is not to be discerned as the action of enemies, not to be discerned as uh, some kind of irrational 
uh, disaster that has overwhelmed them, but is actually held within the sovereignty and the provision of God. It is not a random, uncontrolled, uh, unintelligible event. It is to be understood in the context of God's provision, providence, and oversight and engagement uh, with human history. This becomes very clear at the beginning of the letter um, because Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. Not that the Babylonians carried into exile, but I actually carried you into exile, and in due course, I will be the one who brings you back. So I think there's a lot there to be unpacked, but just to lay out a principle here, we need to look at our circumstances, events in the world around us, As we've commented often in our services in recent weeks, they seem to be unsettling and tumultuous in an unusual degree. But the key thing to keep in mind is that the sovereign God is the one who holds it in his hands. And therefore we are held in his hands in the midst of turmoil. Okay, the second point is this. Jeremiah says, that being the case, settle down. Settle down. Don't live as drifters. Don't live as rootless people. Don't live as people just dreaming of uh, a future day. Don't dream, don't be people who are simply some kind of heavenly dreamers. Settle down. Put down your roots. Belong in the place in which I've placed you. You are within my purposes where you are. Don't drift, be purposeful. Build houses, plant gardens, be productive, raise families, let your children marry. Be God's energetic and productive people here. Make a new home for yourselves. Increase in number. I think that's uh, a profound (laughs) verse and I think it's one which merits our ongoing reflection and application to, to our lives. That is the, Christ, the nature of the Christian presence in the world. Whatever the tensions, whatever the conflicts, whatever the uncertainties, whatever we may be wrestling with in other ways, our task is to settle down, put down roots, demonstrate uh, the life to which God has called us, live it out, be energetic, productive, be God's people here. Make a new home for yourselves. And this fabulous verse... Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have sent you. You're not aliens there. You are not there to pull it down. You are not there to snipe at it from the, from the outside. You are not there to just fold your arms and stand back in, with some kind of cultural or religious superiority. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray for it so that it may prosper and you may prosper. And as a church, we have certainly, perhaps not uh, engaging the the whole congregation, but consistently over many years, we have had prayer groups here involved with praying for our town, uh, praying for our political leaders, praying for our, our nation. It's crucial. And it's in that context, the last point here, you will seek me, and find me 
when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you. And I think that's a really crucial thing here. How do we seek the Lord, find his presence, find, be found by him in a world that's full of uncertainty, tumult and change? We do it in this way, by settling down, putting down our roots, being God's productive and energetic people where we are, praying for the peace and the prosperity of the, of the community in which we're set. we are set. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I leave that with you now, uh, and I just invite you to live with this passage for a while and live with those insights now I'm just going to say, well, what might that look like in our town? And I want to lay before you three n- not new ventures. Uh, St. Mary's is an Anglo-Saxon church, for, for goodness sake. Um, it's been there a while. Um, but uh, Christian initiatives in our town, which are on the cusp of new beginnings and new ventures in which we can take part. Let me try and describe to you... Um, the shape of the new venture at St. Mary's. Mike invited me to do this today, and I'm grateful for that invitation um, because it w- very probably will involve me going forward. Here are a couple of insights, perhaps, into our town. In our town, we have many quite strong churches struggling to find energy, time, and resources to live up to their vision and mission statements, to reach out to their parish, to reach their town for Christ. The intention is there, the mission statements are there, but somehow to get beyond the busyness and the commitments of daily and weekly uh, church life is a profound challenge. In the town centre, there is a church that is common ground for all of us, and over the last eight years or so, it has been transformed in terms of its furnishing and decoration. It's been strengthened as a building, and it is uh, common ground for all of us as Christian people in this town. It's an open, beautiful space. It's flexible. It's welcoming. It's prayerful. And the congregation who meet there are already reaching out to their community. How might we bring those two realities together? This is the vision that is emerging, and I've been part of a a discussion group with people from Holy Trinity, St. Mary's, uh, some people from St. Saviour's, some people in the church this morning, um, and from other churches as well, just trying to tease this out. What is, how can we seek the peace and prosperity of our town through this opportunity? And the vision that is emerging is this. Can we, as we, there is a true sense that God is stirring up and nurturing and bringing ideas and bringing people together here. Can we see that what needs to happen here is the drawing together of a purposeful mission community that will make its home at St. Mary's? Perhaps to be called Common Ground. Though other ideas are out there. And this community is not just an isolated group of people with a private vision. It is actually people who have 
been gathered to this with the blessing and the support and the encouragement of their churches. So that it is something that is resourced by the churches of the town centre, but also in another way resources them so that they can find new opportunity to serve Christ in our town. Could we draw together such a community? It would network the churches together more uh, intentionally, and the, the vision here is to create some new potential for engaging with our town in, uh, in uh, a missional sense. A space where God can move more freely and where people can be available more freely and generously than we are able to manage at the time. A community perhaps... My, my view of this is that it can be... Very, it is a community with two understandings. A very large community that might be several hundred people involved, and a a smaller intentional community of people who have pledged together to worship together, to pray together, to envision together, and to be the uh, energizers of new Christian uh, witness into the town. But the larger circle might be involved of uh, a, a great circle of people who are concerned that this should happen, that they should pray for it, uh, they, that uh, as they have some time and possibility they could engage with it. I think there are three sort of avenues which seem to be emerging. Uh, Such a community could do anything under the sun in one sense, but three things seem to be emerging as sort of centres for this. The first is learning to pray together. One of St Mary's extraordinary capacities is that it is a place of great stillness in a busy town. It's a place that invites people to be quiet, present to themselves, and present to God. It is a place that speaks in its own way. And I would love it to be a place where we, as it already is, it was a place of welcome uh, and intentional offering of the opportunity to encounter God there. I think we would like it to have a daily act of prayer, a simple gathering for prayer each day that was uh, not an, uh, that was welcoming to people for whom uh, such activities were new and fresh. Learning to pray together, learning to pray for our town, this Jeremiah stuff about pray for the town in which you're set, pray for the community, pray for its peace and prosperity. The second thing is offering the Christian story afresh. And I think the other vision that we have for St. Mary's is that it can be a a setting from which, in our town, uh, the Christian story, in its really provocative characteristics, in the way it challenges human life, in the way it encourages you to re-envisage and understand life in new ways, that the Christian story can be made um, fresh and new. Lots of things could be said about that. And the third is exploring pathways to wisdom. And I think my understanding is that in these days people are less and less asking questions like uh, five proofs for the existence of God or uh, cast iron evidence for the resurrection. They're not asking those questions so much. Those questions are important but they're more asking questions about 
how can I live my life better? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better husband or wife? Having got one marriage wrong, how can I get my second one right? How can I raise my children? How can I run my business in a more uh, ethical and socially responsible way? And I think the third avenue which we are tentatively exploring at the moment is that St Mary's could be a, a base, a home, uh, a platform from which uh, that kind of exploration could be encouraged. And as I say, that it would be something that refreshed and encouraged the churches of the town centre and which they were also contributing. That outlines it. Um, and from the autumn we'll be thinking about that, exploring that a bit further. And uh, my invitation, and Mike has been entirely comfortable with this, is, is to say, you know, pray, reflect, consider whether and how you might like to be part of that journey. I'm going to ask Rosemary to come now and uh, talk to us about new things in Friends International. Good morning. Friends International exists to show Christian love and hospitality and friendship to international students. It's actually found in most university towns in Britain. In Guildford, we have 15,000 students at the university. 38% of them, which is higher than most universities in the country, um, are from outside the UK. That's 6,000 students, international students. This academic year, we in Friends International have contacted students from 94 countries. So what do we do? Well, we liaise with the Christian Union to run a weekly Globe Cafe. That's held on campus, and we can get up to 100 students. That's not usual, though. They do like cake. We arrange events, whether it is a walk when the internationals arrive in Guildford. They walk from campus over the Mount to St. Catherine's along the towpath to St. Mary's Church, in fact, each year where we have cake. We have a, a plenty of other events. There's one that's very popular at Christmas held at the home of St. Saviour's people. I went for the first time last year. It was magnificent. Uh, lots of different activities, masses of food, and a few sketches. I do remember a man, Paul Fenner, who was doing a sketch with, with the host. They were hilarious. I think they were camels. And the, quite a lot of the students found it really funny. There wasn't a flicker of amusement from the Chinese. I don't think they understood at all. But he was hilarious. We um, have events during the year, sometimes going off to Windsor Castle or to visit Cambridge. But we find that the international students these days are more wealthy and go off by themselves for a weekend to, um, to visit different places. But they love to have visits to gardens homes, wherever there's cake. We also run a hosting scheme. Now, the hosting scheme is very important, and it is organized by Dave and Lois Pratt of St. Saviour's. 
They have a lot of students' names given to them. They put them in touch with people who volunteer to have one student or maybe a student and a friend to come for a meal, not necessarily just at Christmas, although that's very popular, any time, and um, very popular. We also offer Bible studies for those who are exploring Christianity. We do work closely with the university, and we are welcome on campus, which is wonderful. I go to see the pro-vice-chancellor once a year just to touch base with him and to let him know what we are doing so that he is in touch with us. One of our trustees um, is on the staff at the cathedral, but he is also chief chaplain. Um, So we work with the university as much as we can. We have had two workers. The full-time worker left at the end of June. And she told me, more students than I can count have come to faith. It's just wonderful. We really feel that we have an open door at the moment. There is such interest. We feel it's a very strategic work. The students go home at the end of their course remembering what Christians are like. And if they have become Christians, then they are a wonderful, powerful witness. So what can you do? You can pray. We have regular prayer meetings. The Saturday morning monthly prayer meeting is one of the best times that I go to. We are praying at the moment for the interviews this week for our new full-time staff worker. It's very exciting. We are always on the lookout for new hosts. Maybe you'd like to open your home and garden, Um, or maybe you would like to volunteer to accompany the students when they go on an event. We need a lot of English people, Guildford people, so that we can talk to the students one-to-one. And there's always money. We have um, member churches, St. Saviour's is one of them, and um, we appreciate that very much. Let me finish with something that happened to me. As I retired, I was um, at the high school for many years, and as I retired, I did pray that um, I would not be put out to the compost heap. And um, the work in Friends International was introduced to me, and I prayed that the Lord would confirm this. And I had a phone call from, well, actually, it came via the website for Friends International. And it was a Chinese professor, a visiting professor of international finance. And she was coming to this country, to the university, just for six months. And her request was, while she was in England, could she please find out about Christianity? So we met, we had coffee. And we arranged for her to come to my home once a week and we looked at a course called Christianity Explored. She filled in the answers. We talked about um, whatever arose, free will, the Trinity, etc. And at the end of the course, I said to her, and would you like God's forgiveness? And she said, oh yes, please, 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 let's pray. And it was just such a thrill. And that is not an uncommon occurrence. It's just such a wonderful, exciting, encouraging work to be part of.
Thank you, Rose. Um, we'll pull these threads together a little later. Let me invite Chaz. Chaz is the, well, not really new, but uh, fairly new to us, CEO of the YMCA through the, the South East. And Steve is the manager in charge of the centre here. Over to you. Good morning. Um, thank you for inviting us this morning. Um, I'm just going to say a few words about the journey of the YMCA and then I'm going to hand over to Steve who's going to talk about some of our current programmes and how you continue to be involved and continue to support us. So I think I've got a couple of um, slides. So last month it was the YMCA's 172nd birthday and um, there are now YMCA's in 119 countries across the world and 55 million people that use YMCA services. Um, I'm really pleased to say that yours is one of the oldest YMCA's in, in Guildford, in the, in the world. It, we have records that show that there's been a YMCA in Guildford since 1870. So, um, so just a bit more recent history around the YMCA. M most of you will know our centre that we have on, on um, Bridge Street, and I think a lot of you were involved, and this church was involved and really supported that the development of that centre back in the 80s. And... Um, and then a couple of years ago, um, Guildford YMCA merged with YMCA Downslink Group and created um, YMCA Guildford. Now, YMCA Guildford is part of an, a grouping of YMCAs across Sussex and Surrey that work under the banner of, of, of YMCA Downslink Group. And I think I've got a little slide that just helps show the geography. So that's the groupings of, YMCA, of the YMCAs that come under Downslink Group, and YMCA Guildford's part of that. So... And then to the present day, we've got some really exciting news at the moment that's actually happening in your parish. Some of you might know of our scheme, Midway House, just sort of across the road there. Um, we got our planning permission this week, which will enable us to um, redevelop that building, increase its accommodation capacity, so it'll provide accommodation for 32 young people, studio flats for 32 young people, but we'll have a very strong focus around young people who are, who are wanting and ready to get into workplace, a lot of vocational and employment training for young people, so, so which is really exciting. I'm going to leave you with Steve, who's going to talk to you a bit more about some of the other work we do here in Guildford as a YMCA. Morning, yeah, my name's Steve Darkin and I am the Guildford Services Manager for YMCA Guildford. Um, and uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what's actually happening day to day in our centre at Bridge Street. So we have uh, 110 young people staying in the centre at the moment. Um, the business model there has changed in that um, uh, a year ago uh, we had a mixture of a supported housing project and a B&B because we have got the rooms and we've got a great facility there. Um, but due to some uh, changes in funding and some risks that we face, we decided to change that business model um, and also to bring it a bit more in line with, with the mission of, of the YMCA. So um, as of last September, we became a mixture of a supported housing project and student halls. So we have uh, 30 homeless 16 to 25-year-olds that currently stay with us. Um, and the rest of the rooms are taken up by students from the uh, Academy of Contemporary Music, which is just across the river from us. So it works uh, really well for, for young people that are studying at that college. Um, they can still be late for their lessons, but literally just from five minutes across the road. Um, uh, part of the thinking behind uh, our work at Bridge Street is that what we're trying to do is raise the aspirations of young people that have come from backgrounds that have left them vulnerable. Um, and by creating a social mix uh, with a majority of young people who are engaged, 
um, who do have aspirations and who, who have generally had more family support and, and a bit more of a launch pad. Uh, we're able to take some of the more vulnerable local Guildford young people that we're working with um, and create new friendship groups for them and increase their social capital. Um, it's been really powerful for us over the last year to see how some of that social mixing has worked and the impact that it's had, not only on the students who are learning that some people come from backgrounds that are a bit more difficult maybe than their own, um, but also on the young people who are working hard to stabilise their lives um, and to surround themselves in a new social group um, who are engaged in much more positive activity, much more positive work, and, 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 and that it becomes a norm within our building for people to be engaged in training and education and employment. Um, we're trying to build those foundations for, for, for our young people to move on from our project and onto independent living. We have a few different ways um, and projects that we have that, that support that work that I'd, I'd like to mention to you because there are opportunities for, for people to get involved. We need the support of the local community in Guildford. Um, one of those projects is called Positive Placements. Um, it's a mentor scheme. It's been really successful in some of the other areas uh, in the YMCA, in particular in YMCA Downslink Group, where we recruit and train mentors from the local community and match them up to residents that we have. Um, and we, we support uh, and create a supportive relationship between the mentor and the mentee. Um, it, it has a real impact on the mentee, particularly when they find out that their mentor is volunteering. You know, some of the young people we're working with have had services come through their lives, um, and they are fairly distrustful to begin with of another service but when they find out often that their mentor is volunteering and that they're doing it because they want to and we found that that's had an impact um, we match them up with a young person who will go through uh, a series of well-being work and then some work experience placements and then onto a traineeship or an apprenticeship and we like our mentors to try and stay with the mentee for the minimum of a year to create some stability and consistency that that may have been lacking in that young person's life up until that point We've had some real successes with it, um, and we've really been able to not only raise the social capital of the young people we're working with, but raise the social capital of the YMCAs that we're delivering these projects in, link us into the communities that we're based in. And we need to build those bridges so that when young people move on from our project, uh, they already have links and social networks within the local community, which means that they don't end up coming back. Not that we wouldn't welcome them back. Um, but we want the, the success uh, of their experience with YMCA Guildford to be meaningful and for them to be able to move on from that um, and support themselves. The other project that we're looking to set up at the moment is we have an amazing space downstairs in the building that, uh, that I know that St Saviour's and, and, and other churches in the Guildford community really helped us to build uh, a while back and we need to maximise that space. And one of the ways that we're looking to do that is to create a, a, a local chaplaincy service. Um, we have uh, a new lead chaplain, Lucy McGrath, um, and she's working hard to create a team of chaplains that will be able to go and support a social space. Um, we're just looking for people to be around to uh, be there to, to chat, while, while the residents and the young people that are staying in Guildford um, utilise a space where they will socialise, they will mix, they will play pool, they will cook. Um, it, it really is supposed to be an area for relaxation, um, but generally for discussion uh, and support that, that would come from uh, a chaplaincy angle and again is linked in to the local community in Guildford uh, having an opportunity to support local young people um, who, who have come from a position 
that, uh, that leaves them needing uh, some extra... Uh, I, I suppose I feel we have a little duty of care to pick up some of that locally. Um, so you know, we have a table over there. There are some uh, leaflets um, with opportunities of how you may be able to get involved with the work that we're doing here um, <clears throat> in Guildford. Um, and I'd just like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you about it. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Chaz. Um, when, when the service is over, as it will be shortly, do go and talk to them. Don't assume you haven't got a role to play. Um, do talk to them about opportunities and possibilities. And it would be uh, great to see some people taking that up. And as a church, we remain committed to uh, Friends International and to the YMCA as partners and uh, uh, colleagues in, in the town in, into the future. I'm going to ask uh, Norman to come and lead us in prayer now.